This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Are you glad that you are a believer? All right, praise God. Can we open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20? Ephesians 3:20. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Yes. The Bible says, "Now unto him that is able to do <laughs> exceeding abundant if 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 the writer of Ephesians had stopped at God now unto him who is able to do. That would be powerful enough. But to describe the extent of his ability, he says he's able to do what? Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to what? The power at work in us. Amen. Now, this is a very loaded verse. You know, there are some verses in the Bible that when you read, you, 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 you get quiet because it's a reproof, right? There are some verses that when you read, you shout. This is one of such verses. <laughs> he says he's able to do. Now, two very powerful things from this verse. Amongst all of the powerful things you can get from it, two very powerful things. Number one. If you are thinking about something and you are asking about that thing, the Bible is saying God is able to do more. He has the ability to do more. Much more. That's the first thing. The second thing is that how you get him to do more is by acknowledging the power that is at work in you. That's the second thing. So I want you to go around 10 people this morning and tell them the answer is within me. Think big. The answer is within me. Think big. The answer is within me. Preach to them this morning. The answer is within me. Think big. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you may majestically take your seats this morning. Praise God. This morning, I want to share with us on something I have titled, Think Big. You know, the last time I checked, there are approximately 8 billion people on the face of the earth today. And the Bible explicitly tells us in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, that when God created man, speaking to every single human being, the Bible tells us that he says we should have dominion. So we, there is a dominion mandate upon every human being on the face of the earth. The issue is if we would realize that dominion mandate or not. Everyone, 
God said he's made man to have dominion. But when you look around, what you find is that the world is dominating man. <laughs> As a matter of fact, even believers, people who are born again children of God, you find that circumstances of life are dominating them. But it ought not to be so. And when you look at life, you know, you discover that there are various, what I call, hierarchies of living. I was praying one day, and God began to explain this to me. And I drew it out, and I gave it to the media team to help me project. So if you can, you can project it. If you can't, I will continue. Praise God. Now, thank you. So I was praying, and God gave me this. Explaining to me that every human being lives at one of these levels of life. Number one is the level of need. Where people lack physically, emotionally, socially. So this is a level. God's desire is that people should not be here, especially his children. Then, after the level of need, there is the next level, which is the level of survival. Here, this is self-preservation mode. So this person, at the level of need, you do not have a job, you want a job, you don't have enough money to spend to do things you want to do, you know, there is that need. At the level of survival, this person has a job, but the person does not have enough. So it is the level of not enough. So all that the person has is enough to preserve him or her. So this is self-preservation mode. <laughs> But God's desire is that people, especially his children, do not live at this level. Because there is the third level. Somebody say the third level. Which is the level of impact. Here is when you've been blessed, then you decide to begin to bless other people. So this is exactly what God said to Abraham. He says, I will make you a blessing, right? And you would be a blessing. I will bless you rather, and you would be a what? Blessing. So you are dispensing good to other people at whatever level. You're making an impact, no matter how small the impact is. You're giving food to the neighbors, giving food to people that do not have need. I mean, so you've eaten, I mean, you have food in your stomach, and you can give. I, I have a mentor who used to say that it is he that is well that can donate blood. All right? So, you, I mean, you've eaten, so at least you say, okay, well, let me give and help people, you know, transform lives. It's one level. But you know, amazingly, it is not the highest level that God expects us to live in. Because there is the fourth, which is the level of influence. You see, after you've impacted people for a long time, then at the level of influence, you begin to shape culture. You begin to shape the way people live their lives. And you see, what I'm sharing with you, these things are general principles. So for example you find that there was a time there was nothing like Facebook. But today, someone sat and created something called Facebook, Instagram. And people spend hours, instead of print, hours, right, on Facebook. And it's a good thing, right? Because you can connect with people now. But people say, oh, my colleague from 10 years ago. Before, if you had a colleague 10 years ago, until you see physically, you are not contacting each other. You don't even know anything happening in their lives. You know, people can leverage Facebook to show how much they love their wives. Like me. You know, 
Thank you. Play it again. Play it again. So, <laughs> so you can leverage and show, I mean, say, oh, you just put this wonderful. I mean, sometimes you go for a party, you snap the palm up on mala. Bam. Put it on Facebook. You don't ever say enjoying life. <laughs> Someone is shaping how we now live our lives. The people who created the telephone, I can sit in Nigeria and have a very comfortable conversation with somebody who is in the U.S. Hours away from me. Very Before you could not do that. That is a level of influence. But you see, when God spoke about Jesus, he spoke about greatness. Because greatness is superior to influence. Greatness is when you've had influence over a long period of time. Now, so these are the, this is what I call the hierarchy of living, right? So people, God's desire is that his children are not living at the level of need, survival, but they move. At least they start to impact people. They begin to influence society, influence the way people live their lives, and then they live and realize greatness. But why is it that a lot of people would never realize greatness? I will tell you this morning. First Kings chapter 13. Or 2 Kings, rather, chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13 from verses 17. Now, this is a very interesting story. Thank you. The Bible says, and he said, mm, okay, let's read from verse 14 for context's sake. From verses 14, he says, Now Elisha had fallen, was fallen sick, of his sickness, wherefore he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. Right? And verse 17. And he said, Opened the windows eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. Shoot your shoot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. Now, this was a prophecy to Joash, the king of Israel, that he will smite the Syrians. Now, Elisha did not put a condition to this. I wanted to read it again. He says, For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. It was a direct prophecy. But read verse 18. The same way lots of us, we've gotten a word from God, right? About all of the beautiful things in life. Verse 18. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice, and stayed. Verse 19. And the man of God was wroth, was angry with him, and said, Thou should have smitten five or six times. Then hast thou smitten Syria, till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria, but thrice. Now, Elisha told him that, see, there's a prophecy on your head, you will smite the Syrians. Then he said, strike your 
arrow against the floor, and he did it one, two, three. And the man of God was angry and said, why did you stop? You should have done it more than three times. And he said, if you had done it more than three times, you would have finished this book. Why didn't Elisha tell him that don't do it three times, so do it as many times as possible? Because in the realm of the spirits, when the promise of God goes forth, the extent to which it would materialize in your life is not dependent on God, it's dependent on the size of your thinking. If you think small, that is all you will get. If you think big, that is what you will get. Remember, God is able. So it is not about the ability of God. It is about the size of your thinking. In the kingdom of God, thinking small is an aberration. You didn't hear me. Thinking small is an aberration. God's desire is that his children think big because it is what you can see that you will possess in the kingdom. Genesis 13, I think verse 15 thereabout, is what you can see that you will possess. It's a principle in the realm of the spirit. The question is, how big is your thinking? I remember some years back, I was working somewhere. And at a particular time, the MD of the company called us. All of us working in the company. I wanted to paint a picture of what he had in mind for us as his staff. And as he began to talk, he said, well, my goal for you is that very soon we'll be able to buy cars for all of you. Uh, well, all of us, because at that time, there were no, no cars. So we looked at each other and said, yeah, 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 this, this is sounding good. And then he made the mistake of mentioning the kind of car. He said, we'll be able to buy Picanto for all of you. I said, I resigned from the company that day. I said, ah, no, no. Not that Picanto is a bad car, but <laughs> the size of the car in my heart is bigger than Picanto. I said, this, this man is not seeing the same thing I am seeing. If I ask some of you today, that what do you want from God? Say, ah, especially if you don't have a car. Say, I, I, I want a car. Say, what kind of car? To even show the level of the thing, you say, a small Corolla. Now, as though there's big Corolla. <laughs> no, small, you would define it. Not that Corolla is a bad car, but hey, God's heart is that his children are not only thinking of owning cars, but not and but think of giving out cars, giving out jets, giving out houses. If I ask you, what kind of house do you want? What are you going to say? To some of us, mentioning and trusting God for a billion is a problem. It's thousand. You say, ah, why? Ah, look, look at my bank account. <laughs> look, you look at everything, you gauge. First subsidy they've removed. Let, let's just this small apartment. <laughs> God is not against you starting small, but is against you remaining small. And the first place where you travel far is in your mind. You see, God uses the size of your thinking as a raw material to work in your life. How big is your thinking? 
How big? You know, one of the things I have found and one of the greatest lessons I have learned is that thinking small is a way of life that people learn. I tell you a story, and it's a story of everyone. The moment a baby is born into this world, right? They say that this baby is born, every baby is born as an empty slate in their thinking, in their minds, right? There is science to back that up. But one microsecond after any baby is born, any human being is born, they become victims, permit me to use that word, victims of the custodians of their mind. If the people around that baby are smart people thinking big and all of that, the baby will begin to learn how to think big, how to act big, how to... The baby begins to learn. If I ask any of us in this room today that do you speak Spanish, I doubt if a lot of hands will go up. Why? Because when you were born, the people around you were speaking Yoruba, Ibu, Hausa, and all of those things. So you learned those languages. You can't speak Spanish because you didn't learn Spanish. The people around you were not Spaniards. The same way, you begin to grow and form your personality and preferences, your choices, based on the level of interaction from the people around you. So if you grew up in a home where one meal a day, you saw daddy's struggle, if you are not careful, you begin to form a picture, knowingly or unknowingly, that, hey, okay, you know, life is supposed to be small. You are supposed to cut your coat according to your size. As philosophically intelligent as that sounds, according to the Bible, we cut our coat according to the size of God. So they begin to, life begins to teach you that. And so you begin to, you know, let's just manage. Let's do things small. Anybody that attempts to do anything big is like, eh? you mean you're doing this? Meanwhile, there are some children, as they grow up, they have seen the, the size of their house alone. <laughs> is intimidating. So somewhere in their psyche, they cannot just see themselves living in a smaller... I don't know if you get what I'm saying. You begin to grow. Then you begin to form prejudices. Your prejudices are things you will die for. In this instance, you will begin to make excuses for it. Say, well, the reason why is because, you know, shouldn't one grow step by step? But there is something called a quantum leap in God. He says, so, you know, uh, you, I mean, they look at you in the office, you say, uh, well, hey, when will I ever become a manager? So the first step, how to do officer one, officer two, officer three. And then somebody tells you that, do you know double promotion is possible? Hey, it's for some people, not me. Why not you? You see, if they walk up to me today and they tell me that, well, there are 10 people that God wants to give 50 billion dollars to. I will start praying for the remaining nine. I know I'm part of them. Is my own is settled. Is the remaining nine? Let me pray for them. God, God will have mercy on them. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So we learn how to think small as we grow. We learn fears. We learn restrictions, limitations. But you see, in the book of Psalms, 
Psalm 78. If you can open there with me. Psalm 78, verses 41. Psalm 78, 41. Talking about the children of Israel. Now, this was a recount of what happened. They said they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Can God be limited? He can. By you. In the limited, you say God is unlimited, I hear you. But in your life, he can be limited. Because God would only fill the space that you give him. Is it they limited the Holy One of Israel? How did they do it? Can you go back to verse 17? I want to show you this. Verse 17. This is how they limited the Holy One of Israel. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the most in the wilderness. Verse 18. And they tempted God. How? In their heart, by asking meat for their lost. And then the next one, verse 19, says, And they said, So two ways you limit God in your life. The size of your thinking and the words of your mouth. Are you limiting God in your life this morning? Are you limiting God? You know, you can't experience big things with small things thinking because in the realm of the spirits people are measured by the size of their thinking it's okay to start small but do not remain small start to think big and how do you think big I'll just tell you one secret there are a number of them but just one this morning your association what you associate with. You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 13, 20, it says, he who walks with the wise shall be wise. Right? Yeah. It says, who walks with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. The first association that you must prioritize is your association with God. Through his word, and in the place of prayers. Now you see, the word of God are the thoughts of God clothed in vocabulary. As you mingle with the words of God, you're mingling with the thoughts of God. And you see, you read the entire Bible, you discover that God does not think small. He came to Abraham. Abraham was saying, how can I have a child, one child? God was not talking to him about a child. This was someone who didn't even have one child. When God wanted to talk to him, God was saying, multitudes, the nations. That's how God was talking. God doesn't think small. And Abraham came back and said, no, one child. For Abraham to get it, God said, okay, well, you know what? Can you count the stars? <laughs> Can you count the stars? And I'm sure Abraham looked. said, I've lost count. I can't even count. said, exactly. That is how your seed would be. You started a business. Are you just thinking, well, we'll just do this small business, this small shop, we'll grow. Hey, while you are in that small shop, start thinking about when your shop will be all over the world. In Paris, in Amsterdam, in the UK, in the US. Start thinking about it. When you get into an office, now I was talking to somebody some few days ago, the person was telling me, so, in this office, I mean, you are doing well, right? I said, well, we thank God. God is faithful. But I said, hey, so, what do you aspire to be? 
And I kept quiet. I said, ah, should I tell this person? <laughs> should I tell this person? I'm always happy to tell people those type of things. Because somehow, it shocks them into reality. I said, my goal is not to become the MD of this company. No. My goal is to own something bigger than this company. The person looked at me. I said, yes. Thinking big is something you can learn by the associations that you keep. The Bible says evil communications, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Communication corrupts good manner. One of the things I've found is that your experiences in life, the greatest impact of your experiences in life, right? And the friends, the people you relate with, the greatest impact they will have on you is the size of your thinking. If you walk with people who think big, you start to think big. It just happens. So God, through his word, and in the place of prayer. Number two, through the human beings you relate with. The human beings you relate with, the things you watch. I, I like watching biographies, right? Because I like seeing how people, you know, because they don't just do biographies on people that just live ordinary lives. Mm. They do biographies about people that do big things. So I like watching biographies, right? I like reading biographies because somehow it begins to show me that, Joshua, this thing is child's play. <laughs> Woo! I remember some, some, some years ago, I and my wife were trying to make a decision on what school to send our children to. At that time, I mean, we had already seen this fantastic school, the one they were they are in now. And we knew that this is the school and all of that. But when they gave us the bill, we said, huh? we went back. We looked at each other. <laughs> because the school they were in, <laughs> this bill that we're seeing was about five times more than that. <laughs> so we looked at it. Now, I could afford it, but you know, I and my wife discussed and said, you know, we got into this place where I said, okay, should we spend this amount on school, you know, all of that. And then we are thinking about the future. You see, God owns your future. And then we made a good mistake. You know, there are some mistakes that are good. <laughs> good mistake of having a conversation with Pastor Abigail. And when we finished describing, Pastor Abigail looked at us and said, so you sincerely think that in the next one year, you'll be earning what you're earning now. You sincerely think you people will be at this level. The level you are in now, this is the level you'll be at in the next one year. Hey, what of us have? We know. We said, mba, mba, mba. The association you keep. And when you say, and they are there till today. We are, we are good. I remember having a conversation with Pastor just some few weeks ago, you know, and he mentioned something, and I said, ah, I said, wow, that is expensive. And you know how Pastor is? He smiled and said, it depends on how you are seeing it. <laughs> I got the lesson. The association you keep. Don't, you see, you can never be an eagle and soar like an eagle while you are walking with hens and chickens. They do not, they don't mix. It's either you start to think like the hen or the chicken, or you eat them. For, ignore I said the last one. <laughs> I round up with this story. A dear man of God by the name Jerry Savelle, wonderful man of God, I mean, he's in the U.S., a wonderful man of God, Jerry Savelle. He said God laid it in his heart 
to build a medical facility for some individuals in Kenya. And it was going to be a massive medical facility. It was going to be on 10 acres. I mean, Brobola, is 10 acres is a lot, right? Okay, 10 acres. And because of the magnitude of this project, he was going to do a pro bono and donate it to the Kenyans, free of charge, man of God. So he decided to book an appointment with the president of Kenya at that time and decided to travel to go see the president. And while he was about to go, one of his mentor mentors, you know, by the name Dr. Ora Roberts, who is also a man of God, is gone to be with the Lord now, looked at him and said, ah, wow, that, that's a good project. Can I come along with you? He said, sure. So they got into this private jet, flew together to Kenya, and when they got there, the president had a very important meeting, was caught up in an emergency, couldn't see them. So the president said the vice president should see them. So they said they got into this meeting with the vice president. So there was a table. The vice president of Kenya was sitting down with his, you know, other delegates, some ministers and all of that. They were sitting down. And opposite, you know, Pastor Jerry Savell was sitting down. Dr. Roberts was sitting beside him and his own uh, Dr. Jerry Savell's team. And he said they began to discuss and he began to tell them about this project. And, you know, it's a medical facility. God laid it in my heart to do this, to do that. And, you know, for the first time, it occurred to me that, ah, wait, oh, the kinds of projects that people do that attract president and vice president to sit down and have a conversation with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you didn't get it. Don't worry. Let's continue the story. So, right? He said they were talking. And as they were talking, the... He said he noticed that Dr. Roberts would pick the paper towel on the table and would write in it and say, mm -hmm, and squeeze the paper towel and throw it away and pick another paper towel and write on it. He said, so as he was having his presentation, in his head, he was saying, ha, Oga, I respect you. I honor you. Don't spoil this one for me. <laughs> he said, I brought you here. You, you decided to follow me. What are you doing? I think what you are doing seems disrespectful to the vice president. I mean, he said, but he kept on talking and, you know, showing the vice president. He said, Dr. Roberts will write something on the paper, look at it, squeeze it, throw it away. And he was wondering, what is he writing? And, of course, the vice president was looking at him, getting distracted. He said, so after a while, in the middle of the meeting, Dr. Roberts wrote something and nodded, hmm. Then tapped him and said, Jerry, I want you to read this. So he said, he said, sir, please, can, can it wait? You know, after the meeting, I'll read it. He said, no, you can't wait. I want you to read it. So he said, after, but so he looked at the Bible and said, please, sir, just give me two minutes, two minutes. He said, he said, okay. He said, he picked it up. Now, remember, he was negotiating for 10 acres of land, isn't it? And that's a lot. Sir, how many acres is this? This premises were on two acres. So, 10. You have a good idea now. So he said he carried the paper and he looked at the paper and discovered that. He said, well, I can't read what is here. So he looked at it and said, sir, I can't read it. So Robert said, look again. He said he looked. He said, sir, I can't read it. So Robert said, well, that is Ora Robert written backwards. He said he felt like slapping him. <laughs> that, are you kidding me? Or are Robert's written backwards? We're having an important meeting. He said, he looked at him and said, sir, I don't understand. Or are Robert's written backwards? 
He said, yes. All right, Robert's written backwards. And he said, he looked at him and said, sir, but why? <laughs> you know this feeling of, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> He said, and Ora Roberts looked at the vice president and looked at him and said, I am tired of this entire conversation. Both of you are thinking too small. Ten acres for what you're talking about. He looked at the vice president. Vice president, we don't need ten acres. We need about a hundred acres. And the vice president looked at him and said, it is done. <laughs> Pastor Jerry Savell said he learned that day. That, ah, okay. He said, so whenever you are saying anything small around him, he will just pick a paper and start writing his name back. <laughs> Saints, you can start small, but decide not to remain small. You can start thinking small. It's okay, but hey, as you associate with God, begin to pick the thoughts of God. Start to think big. Think beyond your current circumstance. Because it would be a raw material that God would work with. Can you jump on your feet this morning? I want you to tell your neighbor, think big. Tell your neighbor, think big. Tell your neighbor, God is able to do abundantly above all that I can ever ask or think according to what is happening within me. So today, I make up my mind to think big. I refuse every small thinking. In the name of Jesus, I begin to think big. Big, 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 big. I'm thinking big in the name of Jesus. Can you celebrate Jesus in the house? Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you, are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, and from today I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late, you are born again, you are part of God's family right now, you can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you. We love you. Stay blessed.